You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Why don't we give the band a fantastic round of applause? They've been brilliant today. Thank you, thank you so much. Martin, Esther, thank you for the wonderful uh, warm welcome, the very, very kind words, and the opportunity again to be part of your journey. Uh, Don and I, we've been sort of fasting with you, not completely uh, doing a bit of a soup fast. So um, joining with you, praying with you, standing with you, and uh, we just love this church, and we uh, really do want to believe with you for a season of incredible breakthrough and blessing. And it's my joy this morning to share the Word of God. And uh, I've been sort of given a freebie. Normally, I'm part of your series. And uh, there's a little in-between moment. And so I've been given the opportunity just to share something. And hopefully, what I share today will encourage you, not only as you come to the end of the 21 days, but as Martin said, uh, to help us as a springboard into the next stage. That what we mustn't do is see this as an end and then we fall off a cliff but actually this is a springboard into something else. And hopefully these words will encourage you. So if you've got a Bible with you, I'm going to read two short readings, one from the Gospel of John, and then we'll go back into the Gospel of Luke. So if you've got a Bible and you want to read with me, and I would always encourage you to bring your Bible in whatever form you have it and read and follow it. There's something about hearing and seeing Uh, when we are reading the Word of God that really can make a difference. And uh, for those of us online as well, I encourage you, grab your Bible and read it with me as we read. So John chapter 11. Some of you will know the story before we even get to it. It's ultimately the story. John chapter 11 is famous for the raising of Lazarus from the dead. That's the big headline in John 11. Uh, And so as we introduce this, that's sort of where the story's going. I'll make an allusion to that as we go along this morning. So it says these words, John chapter 11, verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. And you can find that in the very next chapter, John chapter 12. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then if if you're with me, uh, flick over to uh, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And we're introduced to this family again. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. And it says this, And Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. 
Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, I've been part of the church for a million years, so I've been a follower of Jesus since I was eight years old. My parents were followers of Jesus, and so from being a baby, I've been in and around the church and probably have heard thousands of sermons over those years, preached a few uh, myself, and every single time I've ever heard a preacher preach on Luke chapter 10, the story of Mary and Martha, the emphasis has always been on Mary. And rightly so, because she's the one who sort of gets commended by Jesus, doesn't it? Jesus says of Mary, she has chosen what is better and what she's chosen won't be taken away from her. And because we tend to lean into Mary in this story, by almost accident, if not deliberately, we give Martha a little bit of a hard time. And over the years, I've heard Martha's in the congregation told, you need to slow down, you need to stop what you're doing, and you need to get to the feet of Jesus just like Mary. And I totally accept that as the driving heart of the interpretation of that passage. But here's the problem, and here's what I've discovered And here's what the Holy Spirit has reminded me of. Sometimes when we hear a story like this and we sort of know the punchline, our brain goes to the punchline. So if you've read any of these stories for even more than once or twice, or you've heard them preached on a couple of times, we are already jumping to the big headline of the story. And the danger with that is we miss the detail before. Our brains are funny like that. That's why literally when I read the Bible in my everyday devotions, I read the Bible out loud. It's because I've read some of these passages literally hundreds of times and my brain, uh, my brain does tricks. It misses words. It jumps to, to things that actually I know are coming up, but, but actually the danger of that is I can miss the detail. And here's a piece of detail I want you to see, and it's the bit of detail I want to encourage you with today. Verse 38 says this, that Jesus came literally to a certain village where a woman, a certain woman named Martha opened her home to him. That's the bit we're going to just reflect on. I'm going to big Martha up today. All right, Mary gets all the headlines. Mary gets all the praise. Well, today it's hashtag Martha rocks. We're going we're gonna to big up Martha. And here's why. Martha opened her home to him. And the implication is that Martha is the senior partner of this family, that maybe she's been widowed or maybe she's never been married, but she's the probably the oldest person here in the context of this family and therefore looking after the family in that respect. But it says that Martha opened her home to him. The word literally means this, to receive under. She received Jesus into her house. Now, there's no implication from Luke chapter 10 that Jesus was going to her house. The implication seems to be as they were on their way. And Bethany, where they lived, is two miles from Jerusalem. So Jesus is nudging towards Jerusalem. He goes through Bethany, but, and he's not necessarily going to the house of Martha, but Martha takes the opportunity 
to open her home to him and to receive him. And because she opens her home to him and receives him, it sets off a chain reaction of opportunities that literally change Martha's life, change Mary's life, and changes ultimately Lazarus's life. And it all started with an invitation. Martha opened her home to him. There were many righteous people in that village. There were many good people in that village, but only Martha opened her home. And as we're uh, coming to the end of our 21 days of fasting and thinking about life beyond this and, and all the things, I want, us, I want to encourage you to live with this mentality that we would be men and women who afresh, continuously, intentionally, and consistently open our hearts to him. Just because we've done it in the past doesn't mean that that's it. But we come afresh every day and we open up our hearts to him and we welcome him in deliberately, intentionally, consistently so that he can enter our world. Now there's a sense in which as Christians, as followers of Jesus, he's already in our world. I understand that. I've got that theologically, that he's, he's with us and that we're his. But there's another sense that in my everyday experience, I want to deliberately, intentionally, and consistently invite him in so that I give him, can I say this reverently, permission to do some stuff in me, to do some stuff for me, and to do some stuff through me. Come on, who's with me? And, and that's why... Moments like this together as a community are so important. That's why gathering and worshiping and hearing the word are so important because they are in many ways deliberate, intentional, consistent decisions where we are physically putting ourselves in a place to say, Jesus, we know you're with us. We know you love us. We know we are your children. But Jesus, we welcome you afresh into our world. We welcome you afresh into the situations that we are facing. And here's what I want you to want you to hear. If you forget everything I say, hold on to this one big idea as we go forward from our 21 days of fasting. When we open our hearts to him, he opens his world to us. And I meet a lot of beautiful Christians and they they want the benefits of his world. Without surrendering theirs. Come on. And if we want the benefits of the world he can open to us. We must be willing. To open our hearts and our world to him. Come on are you with me? Now, I know, I know you've been praying and fasting together. And you said, John, we're, we're doing that. I know that. And so please hear the spirit of this. This is, this is not in any way a sort of a, a, a push or a rebuke. It's an encouragement to you that, that the spirit of, of prayer and fasting is exactly that. 
If we pray and fast, what we're doing, Andrew Murray said that we let go of earth to take hold of heaven when we pray and fast. When I pray and fast, I am, I am letting go of something in order to take hold of something. I am surrendering something in order to press into something. And if we are prepared to open our hearts to him, he will open his world to us. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know about you. But having walked with Jesus, studied Jesus, learned from Jesus, seen the power of Jesus when he steps into a person's world, whatever it's going to cost me to open up my world, it is worth it for the benefit of his world opening to me. Come on. It's worth it. And Mary, Martha, Lazarus, Get to experience some stuff because Martha made a decision, a very simple decision, really. In the context of Jewish hospitality, it looks like a very ordinary decision. It looks like a very normal decision. It was a destiny-changing decision. Why? Because she opened her home to him. And there's three things that happened, and these are, these are not me making this stuff up, this is all in the gospel text. The three things that happen because Martha opens her home. And I want to encourage you, and I believe that the Lord wants to do these things for you as an individual. I also believe that he wants to do these things in the community of CLM as we go forward. Uh, and, and they're all represented for us. Here's the first thing. Because Martha opened her home to him, and we're being encouraged to open our hearts or our homes and our homes to him, she created, first of all, a place of learning. Now we see this dramatically in Luke chapter 10. It says in verse 39 that Martha had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now, now a little bit of research, we dig into that, and that is an amazing moment in the Gospels. This is Jesus sitting, which is a classic teaching position of a rabbi in the first century world, and we've got Mary sitting at the feet of a seated teacher, and she is being identified as a learner, as a disciple, as an apprentice at the feet of Jesus. It's a massive moment in the Gospel of Luke. Luke is big on, on the liberation of the margins of society, and he's massive on the liberation, emancipation, and celebration of women. In Luke's Gospel, it's women who tell the birth story. In Luke's Gospel, it's women who tell the resurrection story. In Luke's, in Luke's writings, it's women also who are in the upper room filled with the Spirit. And in Luke's writings, we're told that many women follow Jesus. And in fact, without their financial and physical support, Jesus wouldn't have been able to do his ministry. That's in Luke. I was hoping for a few more amens there, but never mind, it's fine, it's fine. You've sort of got used to this. But, but actually, this is so radical in the context of this world. Paul sat at the feet of Gamaliel and learned, the book of Acts tells us. It's exactly the same language, exactly the same picture. So we get this beautiful celebration of women in a learning context, a very powerful idea that will be picked up in the rest of the Gospels in the book of Acts. And here's what I want you to see. Mary got to learn from Jesus because Martha welcomed Jesus. Mary's getting to sit at the feet of Jesus because Martha has opened up to Jesus. And here's what we learn. Here's one idea I want you to see here, that when we open up to him, it always, always impacts those around us. 
It never just impacts me. You cannot invite Jesus into your world and it just stay with you. It's going to change or impact or touch the people around us. And many of us in this room can testify to those sorts of ideas. But I want, you to, I want us to move on a little bit over and past Mary. The, the Mary one's the famous one, sitting at the feet of Jesus. What most people miss is the Martha moment. In John chapter 11, when Jesus eventually turns up, we left it at the point where Jesus is about to go and raise Lazarus from the dead. When Jesus eventually turns up, John tells us it's Martha who went out to meet Jesus and Mary stayed at home. John tells us it's Martha who declares, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And John tells us it is Martha who says these words. I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God who has come into the world. Now this is massive. And it may not seem like massive to us here in the 21st century. But some of you who've read the Gospels and you've, you've followed the breadcrumbs in this, when you hear Martha say, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, who's come into the world, I'm hoping you're hearing the echo of another confession by Peter in Matthew chapter 16. When Jesus says to his disciples, who do you say I am? Peter says, you're the Christ. You're the son of a living God. And what does Jesus say? You didn't learn that by, by books, by human learning. You received that by revelation from my father. And on this rock, on this confession, I will build my church. Everybody celebrates that. Nobody ever talks about Martha's confession. Have you ever heard it preached on? I'll tell you why it's never preached on. Number one, it's a woman. And that's all I'm going to say. And number two, <laughs> number two, it gets lost in the headlines. The headlines of chapter 11 are, and the resurrection and the life, and Lazarus gets raised from the dead. They're the headlines. They're the big things we're rushing to. But we're so rushing to Lazarus getting raised from the dead, we're missing a woman who declares the greatest confession in the history of the world. This isn't just made up language. These are words that are life-changing. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of God who has come into the world. As far as we know, she is the first recorded Jewish woman to say those words in history. How did she learn those words? Revelation. Who did she get the revelation from? And she positioned herself for that revelation by opening up her home to him. Come on. We cannot, we cannot predict when revelation can come. I can't give you a formula on revelation. I wish I could. I'd be a multimillionaire on the back of that. I can't, I can't tell you if you do this, 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 and this, this will happen. We can't give you a formula on that, but here's what I have learned, and here's what I think the biblical text really shows us. The more we open up to him, 
The more we position ourselves close to Him, the more we humble ourselves towards Him, the more we allow Him to get close to us, and the more we let go of us in order to take hold of Him, the, the likelihood of revelation increases. It increases. And Martha saw the Lord because she welcomed him in. Come on. I've been a Christian a long time. And I think maybe because of the lockdown and what we've been through, I, I am more conscious that we need to be centered on Jesus than ever before. And even though I've been a follower of Jesus since I was eight and I've studied the Bible all my adult life and I know all the theological things, I'm saying every day, Jesus, open my eyes that I would see you in a way that I've never seen you before or that I would see you in a fresh way in the areas where I think I've already seen you. Let me see you in a fresh way. Let me learn from you. Not so that I can be clever, but so that I can be a lover. So that I can follow you. So that I can serve you. So that I can be the man that I have been called to be. And actually, I, I, I can't predict when that happens. But I do know this, that if I open up my heart to him, it is more likely that he will open up his world to me. Come on. What Coventry needs, what you need, what we need, are people who see him, know him. Not just because well, we're repeating words that we heard at church, but because we have heard these words, seen these words, learned these words by revelation for ourselves. Does that make sense? And Martha, Mary wasn't the only one learning, Martha was. And as a result, she's able to say, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Amazing. Here's the second thing that her welcome does. It created a place of love. When we touch on John chapter 11, we see some of the most intimate language expressed about Jesus in his attitude and love towards other humans. Now, we've been singing about it this morning that God loved the world. We believe that. We believe that when we look at Jesus, Jesus loves everybody. But I want to show you from John chapter 11, the, the level of expression of love that Jesus has for this family. Now look at this really, really carefully. It's very powerful. Verse 3 of John chapter 11, it says this. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Isn't that a strange expression? Doesn't Jesus love everybody? The answer is yes, he does, he does. He loves everybody. But Mary and Martha send word to Jesus and say the one you love. Now what's that leaning into? It's leaning into some level of intimacy here. Uh, and when I say intimacy, I'm talking about that in the purest emotional, spiritual sense. That actually there's a, there's a level here in which the sisters know that Jesus really loves Lazarus. Here's the second little reference, verse 5. This is John now making the comment, the gospel writer. He says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. It's interesting language, isn't it? 
Doesn't Jesus love everybody? Well, of course he does. But here's John now adding to this idea, and he's saying, you know, Jesus really loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. He's adding something in here. And then later on, verse 36, Martha comes out to Jesus. Jesus speaks to her. Then Martha goes and gets Mary. Mary comes out to Jesus, says virtually the same words as Martha says it, but with a whole level of emotion. And something emotionally breaks in Jesus. In fact, the word used is that something tears inside him. He's so emotional. And his emotions are so raw and so powerful that, that they are literally on the outside. They're so powerful that here's what it says in verse 36. Then the Jews said, watching all of this, See how he loved him. So in the space of a few verses, we've got three references to love. The one you love is sick. John says, Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And then it says of the crowd, see how he loved them. John, what's going on here? Why are you reflecting with us on that? Well, here's what Jesus says uh, in John chapter 14, a little bit later on in these words, he said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Jesus loves everybody. Amen. No pushback, no contradiction, no problem. We accept that. We sing about that. We declare that. It's part of our declaration. But there is a sense in which we can enter into his love. And his love can enter into us in a much more, can I use the language carefully, intimate, personal, and experiential way. In my head, theologically, I know Jesus loves me. But it is possible to know in your head that Jesus loves you and yet not allow that love to touch us on an everyday experience. Not invite that love into our world. Not allow that love to move from a phenomenal truth into an experiential reality. And that's the call. We're being called to open up our heart so that we can experience that love. So that actually, it's not that Jesus has favorites. It's not that Jesus is saying, I, I love Martha and Mary and Lazarus more than others. It's Jesus saying, well, they opened their home to me. They gave me dinner. They've supported me. They've stood with me. They've served me. They've prayed for me. And actually, what Martha's invitation did is it, it made room for intimacy. At a truth level, we are loved. No question. But at an experiential level, we are being called to open our hearts to him so that he can draw near to us in the everyday experiences of our lives. And that's what's going on here. It's not that he loves them more it's that they have been exposed to his love 
more intimately. It's that they have experienced that love. It's that they've got to feel the tender human side of that love, that smoldering wick he will not snuff out, that bruised reed he will not break. They've got to experience that. Why? Because they invited him in. And that's why I think seasons of prayer and fasting can be so powerful. Not because it makes us more spiritual necessarily, but it makes us hopefully more receptive, more open, more hungry for him. Does that make sense? And when we open our hearts to him, he opens his world to us. And we experience intimately the glory of his love. Here's the last idea, and I'm drawing this to a close. She, by her invitation, created not only a place of learning, where she had a revelation who he was, a place of love where they experienced the intimacy of that love, but she created a place of life. It's to Martha, it's to Martha that Mary says, uh, that Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Look at these words. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Jesus says that to Martha. And because Martha opened her home, now in her moment of crisis, the resurrection comes. The one who is life comes to her world. And he says to her, I am the resurrection. And there's this lovely, lovely little convo between Jesus and, and Martha. And Martha's God. I know that, that at the end, uh, w w the righteous will rise. I've got that. I understand that. He said, no, no, no. He's trying to get, I, I'm going to do this right now. I am the resurrection right now. This is not a future idea. This is a present idea. When I am here, life is here. When I am here, resurrection is here. When I am here, death has no power in this context. And Martha has to move to that moment and she will move to that moment when Jesus declares, I'm the resurrection and the life. And a little bit later on, Jesus stands before a tomb and he says, Lazarus, come out. And of course, Lazarus comes out and we have this amazing resurrection moment. But the resurrection happened because Mary welcomed. If we want his life, we must let him in. We must welcome him in to every and any situation that confronts us. And Lazarus got to come out because Martha welcomed Jesus And I believe if we are prepared to open up our hearts to him, he will open up his world to us. You know, I was really touched and exercised by Martin leading us today. And I felt very, very strongly that we were to take a moment right now. I'm not quite finished. It'll take a couple more minutes. But, but we were to take a moment to speak the resurrection life of Jesus over situations that, not necessarily of death, but situations that seem immovable like death. 
Now, now, just I've got some faith in my heart for this. So if you're in this room and you are facing a sort of a tomb-like situation, a situation that, that will not move by natural means, it's going to take something resurrection-like, something supernatural-like to move it. And you have some faith in your heart to agree with my faith that I've got my heart for you. And that could be an illness, it could be a situation, it could be a circumstance, it could be a million things. But if that is you, even people online, if you're watching this in bed, here's what I want you. I want you to get out of your bed and stand up. Okay, so listen, if you're in this room, just for a moment, and stand, stand. If, there is, if, if you're standing in front of the tomb, and you know this is not going to change unless the resurrection and the life comes. When we open up our hearts to him, he opens up his world to us. This story begins when Martha comes to Jesus and she said, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And there are situations you're facing right now that are death-like. They are impossible, immovable. But listen to the words that Jesus spoke to Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. Now I'm going to speak the I am over you. I'm going to speak the words of life and faith over you. Those of you online, come on, stand up where you are and dare to believe that Lazarus can come out in Jesus' name. Jesus, I declare you are the resurrection and the life. And Lord, I speak your life to every situation represented by those standing in this place, by those standing online, wherever they are. Lord Jesus, you are able to do immeasurably more than we ask or even imagine according to your power that is at work within us. Now, Lord, by the authority you have given me, I believe in this moment, I loose your life. I loose your resurrection life. I loose supernatural breakthrough over every situation represented here. And what looks like impossible, you will bring life to. What looks immovable, you will bring movement to. What looks unchangeable, you will change. And in Jesus' name, we will see like Mary and Martha, the glory of God. And in every one of these situations, we will see the glory of God through the resurrection and the life of Jesus. Now let's together say, Amen. You are the resurrection and the life, Lord Jesus. Come on. You're the resurrection and the life, Lord Jesus. I'm going to invite the band to come. And as we close, just three little practical words of advice in welcoming Jesus in. Opening up your heart to him. Number one, welcome him in prayer. Be intentional. My granny used to say, it goes without saying. Well, some things must be said. It goes without saying that he's with us, but sometimes he longs to hear me say, Lord Jesus, come. I want you. I need you. I welcome you every day. 
my opening words every day are days of welcome to him to come into my life, my broken, selfish, sometimes sinful life and form yourself in me. Lord Jesus, come into my marriage, come into my family, come into my children, come into the situations that are seen and unseen. I welcome you, Lord Jesus. Secondly, can I encourage you, watch for him through the word. Can I encourage you, read Jesus. Whatever else you're reading, whatever plan you've got to read the Bible this year, read Jesus. You've got to read Jesus. I'm calling the church back to reading Jesus. We've got to read Jesus. Make sure you're reading Jesus every day, even if it's just a few verses. Read Jesus. If we want to welcome Jesus, we've got to read Jesus. If we've got to welcome Jesus, we've got to listen to Jesus. We've got to allow the words of Jesus to touch us. Read the Gospels. I know you've read them before. I know, so have I. Read them again, read them again, read them again, read them again. And when you, keep, when you come to them, Lord Jesus, as I read you, speak to me. Speak to me that I would see you in a way that I've never seen you before. That I would know you in a way I've never known you before. And lastly, last piece of advice. Walk with Jesus through community. Get around Jesus lovers. Get around people who know Jesus. Get around people who love Jesus. Get with a community of people who passionately love Him. Now, I know we've got to do other things and we've got to meet other people and we've got to go to other places. I get all of that. But make every effort. And the pandemic and, and the lockdown has really, really pushed us and, and, and we've backed away, some of us, from, from getting with Jesus' followers. But here's what I've discovered. When I get with people who love Jesus, something inside me warms to Jesus. Something inside me wants more of Jesus. I get with people who love Jesus and I want more of Jesus. I get with cynical, miserable people and it, it knocks me off. But when I sit with those who love him, when, I, when we have conversations over lunch and dinner and coffee about him, something burns within my heart. Deep calls to deep because we need him and so Lord Jesus we welcome you we're so thankful for Martha who opened up her home to you she didn't get everything right Lord she got a few things wrong, but Lord, the one thing she got right, the one thing that set her life on a trajectory of glory was she opened up her home to you. And Lord, we want to be men and women who open up our hearts to you because we know this, that when we open our hearts to you, you open your world to us. We invite you in. we know that when we invite you, you will come. And we know that when you come, nothing stays the same. So may your grace and your glory and your loving kindness and your faithfulness remain with us in Jesus' name.